Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo, and today we have Tara Springett. Did I say that right, or is it Springett? No, Springett. 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 Tara Springett. And uh, and Tara has written quite a few books on Kundalini and Buddhism and uh, consciousness. And, uh, it's all stuff that we're really interested in on this podcast. Thanks for coming on today. For having me, Gary. Um. So how did you get started into, like, like what came first? Was it the Buddhism and the meditation, then the Kundalini, or, or like, like, how did you begin this journey? Well, unbeknownst to me, I had a Kundalini awakening when I was 17, so very, very young. I, I just thought at the time, that's all very strange, and I thought growing up would feel more different and more pleasurable. <laughs> I was very confused. And then when, when I was 24, I had another Kundalini influx. And that was the time when I joined a, a Buddhist class in, the, in my hometown. And I was uh, very smitten with that. And I was, it was very much love at first sight. And so then that started me on the Buddhist path. And, um, you know, once you had a Kundalini awakening, it just goes on and on and on for the rest of your life. And... Uh, Gradually, you know, I became a psychotherapist, I became a Buddhist teacher, and at some point I said to my teacher, can you please give me all the instructions to have the, the Kundalini awakening, uh, as we do it in Tibetan Buddhism, which is called Tummo, uh, which, but which is the same thing, it originates from, from India, uh, it's the same thing what they call Kundalini awakening in India. And uh, and then he said, "Yeah, sure. Here is the instruction. Here are the instructions." And so I started practicing and and becoming very interested in the topic and started to read. And then I realized, wait a minute, I've I've already had this <laughs> like twenty three years ago, mm-hmm. and that was uh, quite a big aha moment for me. Uh, so um, I, I didn't need another Kundalini awakening. This was all already going on in me. And um, and so then I, uh, through the learning, through the studying, through seeing my own symptoms and how I uh, resolved them, and it's not only symptoms, you know, it's a disease, you know, also all the good things that I could do with that. Um, uh, and, and then uh, a number of years afterwards, I decided uh, that I would like to help other people with their Kundalini awakenings. And that's roughly 10, 12 years ago now. And ever since, I've been working with, I think, over a thousand clients who had Kundalini awakening and had some troubles with that. But it's not only troubles. I just want to make this very clear from the beginning. The Kundalini awakening, I see this as the greatest wonderful privilege. Not always easy, but it is a privilege. It's a consciousness expansion that gets you so much further in your life in so many ways. And it's very, very much worth it. Did that answer your question? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like a, a lot of people seek out the Kundalini awakening by like practicing things like Kundalini yoga, which I've tried myself, and um, I haven't been able to actually have one myself. Um, however, you know, I mean, 
I would love to be able to do it just to have that experience. How did it happen naturally for you? Well, uh, to be honest, um, um, I can't tell you that for sure because I think, you know, when, when you have an early awakening like I had, you know, at the age of 17, never had meditated before at the time, you know, I believe you bring that from your past life, you are predestined to that. And um, so I had my first boyfriend, first sexual experiences, maybe that triggered it. And um, um, other than that, when I was 24, when it came much more to the uh, to the fore, I, I engaged in a psycho, form of psychotherapy called bioenergetics. It's not so much well known now. It was much more in the 80s. It was very much... Uh, the 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 thing on Vogue, you know, where you did all sorts of weird and wonderful things like screaming and putting your body into stress positions, and it's just like really, you know, like putting a sledgehammer to your psyche, basically. <laughs> and um, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but I was very much gang ho about this, and and it was also the spirit of the time, you know, in, in the eighties, people was very much, you know, into these kind of things uh, uh, and, and were willing to experiment I believe more than today and um, and so that really made it much more visible and, and let's just say at 17 that was more like a tender awakening you know mm -hmm. and at 24 it became the big <laughs> the big event that you could not get past without recognizing something deeply deeply strange was happening here um. and so Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say in, in, in my work as a therapist, I did a little bit of research, uh, seeing what, what triggers Kundalini awakening in my clients. And the number one awakening, and that for everybody who wants to have a Kundalini awakening, that's what I would recommend. The number one awakening trigger is the 10 days silent retreats, Vipassana retreats uh, that Goenka does. So this is a very well-known thing that happens in lots of countries all around the world that uh, Goenka offers these 10 days silent retreats uh, where, where people engage in 10 hours a day, intense meditation. And the strange thing is that um, the, the branch of Buddhism that Goenka belongs to, the Theravada, they don't even recognize Kundalini. They don't think that exists. Yeah, right. they produce that. They produce that like on a conveyor belt, mm -hmm. and so that's the number one of all my cl clients. Who, you know, I always ask them what happened, what did you do. That's the number one. Number two, that's a strange one, is uh, where people say they have fallen in love very intensely. However, they did not consummate that, so they didn't have sex, and that's another thing that really. <laughs> drives the Kundalini awakening or triggers it. So to hold back on the sex drive by mm -hmm. being intensely drawn to do it. Now, I'm not recommending that anyone should do that. I'm just reporting. That's what I've seen. And, um, you know, so, um, and, and the rest, there's a variety of reasons, you know, myself doing this kind of Med meditations or therapies with screaming or um, any type of meditation, any type of engagement with, uh, with meditation, with spirituality, with religion, anything really. 
Wow. You know, I, I've never done, I've always wanted to do like a long-term silent retreat. The longest I've done is three days. And and even that, like, like I, I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I found it very pleasurable not to have to talk for three days. It was nice. Um, so when you have the Kundalini awakening, like what did you experience? Like I, I've read a couple books from people that have had them, and I've interviewed people that have them, and some of them say like they, they've seen like uh, rainbow colors and auras and other beings, um, feelings of ecstasy. Was yours like that? Oh, absolutely not. Um, I, I tell you, in the textbooks, it says, you know, when you look at the textbooks from come from India, they say there's some energy that rises up from your abdomen, up your spine, it pierces your chakras, you get supernatural visions, you see light and rainbows, and it's all amazing. Now, in my, in my, among my clients, I have, I don't know, maybe a, among a thousand clients, maybe a handful had this experience. And, uh, and and among those few that had exactly that type of experience, I think at least half of them had it on with drugs, with LSD or something like that. And um, so that type of awakening that follows this textbook descriptions, in my experience, is extremely rare. Um, I um, I have developed a test, you know, what people experience. And, uh, and spiritual experiences and bliss experience and rainbow colors can, can be part of that experience. But there's a number of other uh, criteria that I um, see that people, have, where I say people have a Kundalini awakening that are a bit different. So I, I quite like to co compare a Kundalini awakening with puberty. This doesn't happen in one amazing experience and suddenly you are a teenager, fully formed, able to have wonderful experiences with, 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 the, with the sex of your choice. It's not like that, isn't it? You know, it's something that develops over weeks and months and years and suddenly we transform from children into teenagers. It's also a consciousness expansion. And uh, because suddenly sexuality and romance is part of our life like it wasn't before when we were children. Mm. And, and, I, and I find the same thing with my clients, that this experience is often something that happens within weeks or months where people suddenly say, I'm really different, you know, something has fundamentally changed in my life. And number one, what's changed is that people become so much more engaged in spirituality. There might have been engaged and had some spiritual interest before, but once they have this awakening, they become really insatiable. You know, it becomes the all-consuming interest of their life. You know, nothing is more important than spirituality. And before, maybe they were interested in spiritual things, but also in other things. And um, and it was just maybe one of many interests. But then it becomes very, very central. And I find that is the main criteria that people become so interested in that. And then other criteria are that the emotions intensifies, that you people can have bliss experience, but they can also have all sorts of what we call negative emotions mm -hmm. uh, in an intensity that they haven't known before. So the whole emotional range widens and intensifies. And what goes along with that is also um, sensitivity of the senses, that noises are too strong or uh, light too bright, 
And um, but similarly, that certain sites are so beautiful, like just seeing a beautiful garden is like falling in love or like pure ecstasy. That sense perception becomes so overwhelmingly wonderful. And people get those experiences as well. But it's just, it's not like one experience and then they have it. It's more like these, there are more and more of those experiences until there is a new picture of, you know, how you see yourself as a person that you say, yes, I have these intense emotions and I never used to have that. So more interest in spirituality, heightened emotions, heightened sensitivity, energy movements in the, in the body. So, uh, and the energy movements in the body, I, in my clients, I do not see like this classic, it starts in the abdomen and it rises up like a fright train through your spine and explodes in your brain. That can happen, is, but in my uh, experience, very rare. It can be all sorts of things, you know, that people experience heat or a washing machine or a sense of energy being damped up in the body or emotions that feel so intense that they're like physical pain, tingling, vibrations at pressure, all sorts of stuff. And then there's uh, also, um, sooner or later on this path, people get paranormal experiences, clairvoyance, visions, ghosts, spiritual healing, the whole lot. It doesn't happen necessarily right in the beginning. This can happen years later, but sooner or later, that, that also happens on this path. And so that's my my definition of Kundalini awakening, and it's a it's a little bit different from maybe the very classical view where it all happens in one one big breakthrough and then you're completely completely enlightened or awakened. Not at all. Listening to your description, it makes me think that there could be a lot of people out there who have had this experience and not realized what it is. Has that ha have you have you come across people like that? Yeah, myself. <laughs> As I just told you, yeah. I've had for 20 years. When I was um, young, I had a Buddhist teacher, and, uh, and in the group we read about uh, from the book of Gopi Krishna that had just come out, uh, where he describes his own Kundalini, its own Kundalini awakening. And we talked a lot about Kundalini in that uh, group, Buddhist group, but I did not recognize myself because, I mean, what Gopi Krishna writes is all extreme experiences. Uh, mine were also very quite extreme, but nevertheless, you, you you know you need to know what you have to look for to, to actually recognize yourself. But one thing we should also take into consideration that, that the Kundalini phenomenon is not very well researched at all. The number of people who seriously, with a bit of a you know scientific view and doing proper empirical research is absolutely minimal who, who looked at this phenomenon. And so um, there's also a lot of folklore around this topic, a lot of mythology, a lot of um, symbolism. You know, it comes from a culture, from Hinduism or Tibetan Buddhism, where things were described, maybe shrouded in mystery and in cryptic language and only for the initiated and so on, and not easily understood by us. Hmm. So why do you think it happens? Like, like, what is the purpose of it? Is it is it is it a higher vibration that people extend are ascending to some higher level of consciousness? Like I've heard some people describe. Is this a part of human evolution? Yeah. Yes. Um, so Gopi Krishna, who made this topic really popular in the West in the eighties, mm -hmm. um, he said um, the Kundalini is an evolutionary 
force. It drives forward our wish to evolve and uh, and to develop. And I can only agree with that. It is uh, it is part of human evolution. And I would uh, go even so far to say that everybody sooner or later will have that experience, not necessarily in this life, maybe in the future life, um, but that we, our whole development drives us into that direction, just like most people have puberty. Not everybody does, actually, but we are, you know, biologically pre-programmed to have uh, <clears throat> to evolve from childhood to a fully functioning sexual being that can procreate. And so we are also pre-programmed at some point to have this consciousness expansion because I quite like to use that term consciousness expansion rather than Kundalini because Kundalini, you can easily, you know, think what is that? There's a snake down in my abdomen and then it rises up. That can be frightening. That can be confusing. I don't like it so much. I only use this term myself because otherwise people wouldn't find me on Google. And also because I want to be, yeah, you have to take yeah. those questions into consideration when you put up your website. But um, is, 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 this is how people, this is how it's known, this process. In, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, we call it something else. Uh, we call it a, a tumor, you know, or psychic heat. And uh, in in Neigong, which is this Chinese form of um, Taoism, their energy work, they call it Neigong, Neigong, and uh, there it is called uh, um, the, the fire and the cauldron that's heating up and then put in the microcosmic orbit. So they have very different terminology for that, but it's all the same thing. And what it, you know, and yes it will happen to any everybody sooner or later and it is this consciousness expansion and the true purpose of that in my understanding is it that enables deep spiritual experiences and also a stabilization of those experiences so it's not like that people have um, a wonderful satori amazing spiritual breakthrough and then they say i'm enlightened now and then 20 years later there's still feet of that one experience 20 years ago, mm -hmm. never had it again, because that's not very satisfactory. The Kundalini energy supports that we can stabilize on these higher stages of consciousness so that these, these higher spiritual realities become the new normal. And, um, and so, and people who've had these experiences, they all agree one thing, and that is. If, if a million people come along and say, oh, you're just imagining things, you know, this is not real, clearly you're hallucinating, you're a bit mad, then we all smile mildly and say, yes, yes, you, you can have that opinion, fine with me, but I know what I know. Yeah. And it's very much like people say, once I fall in love, you know, if anybody comes along and say, no, no, this isn't falling in love, this is just craziness, you say, oh, whatever. I quite like this <laughs> and I'm carrying on because I know what I know and I, I love this person and I want to be together with them and nobody could talk you out of that couldn't they right. and, and Kundalini uh, the, the, the true spiritual experiences are like that you know once you have them nobody can talk you out of that because they are realer re realer than real you know you, you, you have a sense that you know now what is real and that ordinary existence is a delusion and that the spiritual experiences is the true reality. And um, 
And as I said, nobody can talk you out of that. Wow. Um, so what is the difference between a higher level of consciousness and an ordinary level of consciousness? Um, you mean with, with Kundalini awakening? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what is the difference between like the before and after? Well, um, there, there are good bits and uh, challenging bits, let's just say, yeah? I, mm -hmm. I start with the bits, okay? Um, so people report, as I just said, uh, amazing spiritual experiences that are very life-changing and very amazing and uh, very, very meaningful that can change the course of your life. We know stories where people had a spiritual conversion. In fact, what they used to call a spiritual conversion experience might very well be Kundalini awakening, like, you know, from Saulus to Paulus in the street of Damascus in the Bible. And yet here he had his conversion experience and um, became a disciple of Jesus. That might very well have been a Kundalini awakening. So, you know, it, it can completely and will completely change your life. And it ends you towards spirituality. And then there's all sorts of other things with that. Uh, heightened creativity, um, greater sensitivity, greater empathy, greater ability to love, um, greater ability to use the law of attraction to manifest your wishes. You know, that's often the missing ingredients when people say, Oh, what are they writing about in the secret? It never worked for me. Well, it's because you haven't, you're lacking the energy to make that happen. And that is the Kundalini awakening. And uh, so I'm not saying this law of attraction doesn't work if, without a Kundalini awakening, but it works so much better when you have one. And there lies also one of the dangers in the whole thing. And that is uh, if you are, uh, if your ego is not really, um, purged enough and you still have greed and egotism and materialistic uh, useless desires then you can easily misuse that uh, uh, um, energy mm -hmm. and a lot of people do and whenever we think about uh, false fake spiritual teachers who exploit their disciples or are charlatans or even cult leaders or some horrible people like that um, they're all Pretty much, I, I can't prove it, but I suspect they all had Kundalini awakenings. They have this fascination, fascinating power that draw people in with spirituality, but they misuse that for their own egotistic purposes. And then they create a lot of suffering, in a way more bad suffer, uh, bad karma and suffering than, than they could have done without the Kundalini awakening. And so some people, you know, if they're not really truly on, on a path of loving kindness and non-egoic uh, desires, uh, you know, it's safer for them not to have this because if they did have it, they might abuse it and then they create a lot of suffering for themselves and also for future lives and for others. So that's one of the negative things. Mm -hmm. Other negative things are not really negative, but one which is very challenges for people challenging is that your your unconscious mind opens up and then a lot of things come up that you didn't think you had uh, one is that you might remember traumatic situations and or that you thought oh this and this happened to me surely that's not so bad and then suddenly you feel it's like really bad but also that you remember stuff where you've done 
stuff to others and you are engulfed by guilt and mm. i have that a lot with my clients that they they feel so guilty for what they've done that oh, sexual behavior that wasn't so great and treating children not so well and also other sorts of things you know um but they suddenly with their new expanded consciousness realize how much suffering they have done to other people and that's not easy to live with and then another thing that comes up from the unconscious mind is uh, antisocial antisocial impulses you know you know aggression hatred you know uh, sexism racism all the awful things that we should not have should not feel suddenly it's there and you think oh my god am i a bad evil person now to have these impulses no you're not and if you are able to clamp down on all of that and let it pass and not act on it but some people will act on it and then they're let's say after kundalini awakening they act more more chauvinistically more narcissistically sexistly you know more sexist than before and that of course is a danger mm-hmm. and and in the good old days where this all was just passed on from student to disciple uh, not not from teacher to disciple the teacher would back on the on the disciple whether the disciple really was right and ready you know if the if the moral bearings were in the right place and and so on but you know time times have changed all these teachings are now out in the open and people um can go for it but uh, i i think they should really know what, what they're letting themselves into you know and um that you know it's, it's you know, there's a lot of cha- challenges attached. It's, it's not an easy path. You know, you have to, you get work to do once you're on that path. <laughs> and I've had lots of clients who said, I wish I never had it. And I said, yes, but you did go on that meditation course and you did read these spiritual books. You did want that consciousness expansion, quite obviously. And now you have it. And now you have to deal with it. That's fascinating. I've never considered that there was like this dark side to a Kundalini awakening. And the idea of people misusing it, um, you know, like one of the first things like when you were talking about that, like, like popped into my mind was like, like for example, like Charles Manson. You know, I always wondered like, well, why did people even listen to this guy? Mm. And, and maybe it was something like that. You know, maybe he just had some kind of, Awaken Kundalini and people just listen to him. Yeah, I I don't really don't know about the Manson guy, but what I will say is that you know with the Kundalini awakening you can get also a number of supernatural powers. You know, Mm -hmm. for example, healing suddenly it works. You you can do it, and you think, oh my God, was that coincidence? Let's try this again. Well, it worked again. Maybe I have some power here, and uh, and some people are really talented with that. We know about that, and, and and then they can do an awful lot of good. But they uh, can, you know, another power that can develop called that fascination power. Uh, it's also known as charisma. So you become more yeah. charismatic. And so when you when you have that charisma and you can draw people in and you just say these things and everybody kisses your feet, you know, that's very not so easy to not be corrupted by that. And uh, and suddenly everybody you know wants to have sex with you and you're so attractive to everybody and and we, as we know a lot of teachers have fallen prey to that they could not resist those temptations you know if you look at particular Indian Kundalini teachers mm-hmm. a lot of them have been exposed over the years 
with these kind of scandals. And it's quite sad. And, and it also really shows the, the big danger in all of that. That makes a lot of sense. Because um, like I know that you're from uh, the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And um, I mean, like, like even recently, there was a scandal with uh, Sakyong Rinpoche. Okay, where, mean. Yeah, where he was, uh, you know, taking advantage of some of his students. Yes, very sad. But um, I will defend my <laughs> my beloved Tibetan Buddhism, and, and I will say that I believe that those scandals are relatively rare. It's not like they don't mm -hmm. happen, uh, but there's a lot of uh, quality control in Tibetan Buddhism because they all look out for each other. And everybody controls everybody else. And also, in differently than to New Age, as a Tibetan Buddhism, we know what to look for because all the teaching are available to everybody. Everybody knows what true Buddhism or the true Dharma looks like. And so we can easily expose um, um, bad behavior and say that that's not okay. Obviously, there are some tricky bits where people say, oh, this is crazy wisdom and I'm I'm allowed to do this. I'm doing the tantric Buddhism, so sex is allowed. So I've got sex with all these girls and then I'm not used protection when I pass on AIDS and all sorts of horrible things that happened. And it's very sad and it, it puts a blemish on Tibetan Buddhism and I wish it wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't have happened. But I still believe, you know, com comparatively safe um, place, mm -hmm. Tibetan Buddhism, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of solid good teaching on loving kindness and ego reduction and, and, and a lot of control from each other and, and a system where, where people have to be qualified by teachers. Right. So, for example, I'm qualified by my Buddhist teacher, Gautam Rinpoche, um, who said I should teach. You know, I can't. And also about my other uh, Buddhist teacher, Rick Santipo. And uh, you cannot set yourself up like uh, a Buddhist teacher without getting that qualification. And, and they, they knew me well before they allowed me to teach. And uh, while maybe in other places in the world, maybe, you know, people can just say, oh, I've had a wonderful experience. I'm a great Buddhist, I'm a great spiritual teacher now. Please all read my books. And those books become bestsellers. And, and, and there's, but there's no, nobody has really said, yes, this is a high quality book. It, might be amazing, but but it might not. Who is to say? Yeah. But people say, oh, it's a bestseller, so that it must be good. Mm -hmm. Not so much. You know, also, I, I think, too, um, even with those kind of incidences where Buddhist teachers have gone astray, there's just lessons to be learned. You know, there's a certain humility that come goes with it and... I don't know. It, 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 I, I don't see it as like an all negative thing. Um, like, um, who, like, like Trumpa Rinpoche. I, I mean, he didn't even hide his bad behavior. He was just sort of like all out in the open with it. Yes, yes. I mean, when he was, uh, you know, as I said earlier, in the 70s and 80s, People were really much more willing to be very adventurous in that uh, in that direction, yeah. and now people are a little bit more savvy and they they look at people more critically, 
and uh, will not take, not ready to allow sexually abusive behavior to happen so easily. And and you are right. You know, I mean, it takes two to tango. And you know, around Sokila Rinpoche, I knew a number of women who had sexual contacts with him, mm -hmm. and um, and and these women were willing participants. And and why? Because you know, maybe flatters their own ego a little bit that some important Buddhist teacher wants to have sex with them. So yes, there are lessons to be learned. And then it's not not. You know, if you were a willing participant, then you're not. It's not really fair to turn around and and cry wolf afterwards. You know. Yeah. And you know, sure. You know, if if you are find yourself in an abusive relationship with the spiritual teacher, it's a bit like being in a marriage that is turned out to be abusive. You know, I mean, you you married that guy or that woman, and uh, so that you ignored some early warning signs. And and it's important then to learn from that without beating yourself up. And uh, but you know, there's a desire maybe in people, and I remember that for myself as well. That we wish that we have a spiritual teacher who really sorts out our life, mm -hmm. and we go to them with any questions, and they would say, "Yes, boyfriend is really good for you. Yes, this work it will work out." And um, <laughs> don't work that way. <laughs> I, I tried. I tried to do that when I was. And it would, the, the results were catastrophic. So I quick, quickly learned not to do that again. <laughs> and so people need to learn to, to be responsible for their own actions. Yeah, yeah. One of my philosophies always is uh, life is the best teacher, <laughs> life experience. Yeah, for sure. That, you're right there. Yeah. Because in the end, you will, will know uh, in your own experience if things have worked out for you and and um, if you just blindly follow everything what a certain teacher says to you, and it doesn't work out for you, he's not there for you and, and, and comforts you. You know, you have to deal with that by yourself. So, you have to be a bit careful. Yeah. So, so what is your advice to people who have had Kundalini awakenings and don't know how to manage it? Uh, first of all, um, I would say get informed. You know. Just imagine, I like to have this comparison with puberty. Just imagine you go to puberty and nobody ever told you what's going to happen. Obviously, you're quite alarmed, you know, and uh, you, you might even think you're you're ill or something uh, similar. That, that happens to a lot of my clients that they think they're going mad or or some have suddenly bipolar disease or something like that. Uh, so it's important to get uh, informed. The internet is a good starting form to. To get informed, but not necessarily a good place to get all informed because a lot of hysterical things are written there. A lot of crazy making, frightening uh, things are written on the internet about the Kundalini awakening. I wouldn't necessarily go in for that. Obviously, I would recommend my books, <laughs> Healing Kundalini Symptoms, and the other one, uh, Enlightenment for the Past Kundalini, uh, which I take a much more down to earth and comforting and positive view of this process and i would just say um read read a book or uh, about this that has a positive you know attitude towards this process and don't follow you know um scaremongering ideas mm -hmm. that will just drive you even further into anxiety so really stay away from that and um there are a number of you know well-grounded books uh, written not not a great many but um 
that that you can read, get informed, and then um, slow down spiritual practice. Don't don't think more spiritual practice is better. Spiritual practice is a bit like medicine. If you overdo it, if you take too much of the medicine, the medicine becomes the poison. So it's it's important to pace yourself and get the right doses dosage of spiritual practice and um and i also recommend if you can become part of a spiritual community that's very grounded um doesn't matter really what what could also be one of the traditional religion i don't really make a make a big distinction there you can have a kundalini awakening and be a christian and i've had clients like that who were you know, devout Catholics, and, and it didn't clash really with what they were doing. It can be done, and um, and and other than that, adopt really healthy lifestyle. Get enough sleep. Don't do any drugs. Oh, drug is very important. To really stop doing any ayahuasca or cannabis or any of that stuff because that can just drive you really over the edge don't want to frighten people, but at the same time, I really want to say that warning. And uh, if that uh, if that doesn't help, you know, get yourself a Kundalini therapist like or counselor like myself, or, you know, there are not many people on the internet who offer that service. But I believe there will be more as time goes on, because I do feel we will have more Kundalini awakenings as time goes on, because to a degree, Kundalini awakenings are somehow infectious you know if you're in the vicinity of somebody who has a kundalini awakening at some point you might have one yourself and with the internet you know this is all opening up now so can i possibly have a kundalini awakening but just by interviewing you uh, i doubt it you know oh, um, bummer. <laughs> yeah. unless you're really really ready you're you're the apple that is ready to fall off the tree then maybe <laughs> but you know i was married to my husband eight years and then he had his own one so it takes a while you know and also a willing a willingness mm -hmm. on the on the side of the participant it's, it doesn't happen against your will there needs to be a wish a desire of a person to expand their consciousness for this to happen i find that to be the most important thing mm. I interviewed. It wasn't even a spiritual. wasn't a spiritual interview. He was a movie producer in Australia, and me and him were talking about meditation. And he goes, "No, I, I'll, I'll never meditate again." And I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "Well, I had a Kundalini awakening," and um, I guess like he was meditating, and, and I guess he he felt like this mad surge of energy, and then he couldn't sleep for like a week. And and it shook him up so much that he won't even like meditate anymore. Um, is that something that's common? Have, have you have you ever heard about that before? Uh, yes, and uh, I mean a number of my clients have very frightened reactions like this man. It's an overreaction. It's just like a girl getting her menstruation, never been told that blood would come and. And being convinced she is now very, very sick, you know, obviously it's not true. She needs the information, look, this is all very normal and don't worry and this will happen again. It doesn't, it's not a big thing. So, you know, you need somebody who basically counsels you and reassures you that, you know, that 
you know, sometimes there are the over-the-top reactions, you know, that people maybe not sleep for a while. It's rare. It doesn't happen very often. Um, and you can also have a surge of energy. Again, it, sound, it can be very weird, but it's not really dangerous. You're not going mad. Uh, it's just strong, more energy than you're used to. So it's unfamiliar. And so you need somebody to reassure you. And then, of course, the, the purpose of the consciousness expansion, the Kundalini, is to be channeled into spiritual development. And then to say, oh, I'll never me uh, meditate again, that would be a little bit shame. But um, I, I occasionally have clients who, who go the same way, and then, then they need to, to do that for a while and just concentrate on other things, maybe on art or sport or whatever they want. And gradually, as, as they're calming down, the old desire for spirituality, for having that ex consciousness expansion, that will re resurface. And then maybe the, you know approach that topic again and hopefully in, they have more um, manageable experiences and uh, it will all start up again yeah i i have a guest coming on in a couple of weeks who had a kundalini awakening and in her book she mentions like art actually like like she was she was an artist a painter but it seems like after her awakening like you know, she's just like dedicated like the next eight years of her life with her art. And her art became like this spiritual message, like the creativity. Yes. Yes. You, the Kundalini energy, you can compare it with money. You know, you can use it for anything you like, really. And as I pointed out, you can uh, use it for bad uh, aims, but you can use it for anything good, you know. So all uh, creative processes, all art, all, any endeavor really you know um you know whatever you do if you want to be a healer or you're a mathematician you become you, you think more clearly and um you you can use that that energy for anything that you want really and um and your your art might be more inspired and more creative than before or you write books like I did or I also had a phase in which I suddenly had lots of poems coming into my mind which is unusual for me because I'm not so inclined, inclined with poetry but then I had a number of po poetry they are in my um in my in one of my books and then I had other phases in which I did an awful lot of uh, embroidery so I, I created very beautiful pictures of deities all done with embroidery in hundreds of hours of work so yes you know it go it can go into art it can go into anything really and for myself it go, went very much a lot into my books uh, a lot into my um you know into my wish manifestation practice so i you know to to kind of visualize what you want which is only known as law of attraction and so you can manifest what you want. And um, so it goes in, into pretty much anything you want. Um, when a person has a Kundalini awakening, is, a, is it just an automatic thing where like people develop more psychic abilities? Well, yes. I mean, this is what, where I say, the consciousness expansion mm -hmm. uh, it, it it opens up your own unconscious mind, but it also uh, helps you to 
to see more into other people's unconscious mind, into what they hide behind their mask. And, uh, and you maybe in the beginning you say I'm more intuitive, and if you um, practice this a little bit, you can become really clairvoyant. Clairvoyance and all of these supernatural talents, they need to be um, practiced, they need to be developed. They're, you know, you, they come like a seed, they're in this, like a seed in all of us. And through the consciousness expansion, that seed can then be grown into a big plant. And you can use, you know, the Kundalini awakening to, to get, um, you know, um, successful in any area in which a passion of you, where you have a passion, you know, and if let's just say, you know, with your podcast, Gary, you know, you might attract people and you maybe you thought, oh, this person would never come on my po podcast. <laughs> and then, then you write to them and then they say yes, because you have suddenly more, you know, magnetizing power. Mm -hmm. or, or more people are going to listen to your podcast it becomes a really big thing I don't know how big it is actually <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh, uh, let's just say it becomes 10 times bigger than it is this is you know you just you put this energy in your area of passion and the more this passion is there to help humankind develop in positive ways whether this is through a podcast or through a book or through spiritual healing or through clairvoyance, it doesn't really matter. If right. you have that altruistic motivation, then that's that's good. Then you use this energy for a good use, and uh, and so that's very important. And and yes, you can develop all sorts of I call it ZDs, supernatural powers like spiritual healing, clairvoyance, visions, uh, mediumship, ghosts, mm -hmm. so forth. There's lots of those. Um, and yes, you can do that. And that's what, what the Kundalini Awakening does for you as well. Because hmm. a, a lot of the people that I have interviewed that have experienced Kundalini already at least say that a Kundalini Awakening gave, um, gave them the ability to, to channel. So a lot of the people that I've interviewed who've had Kundalini Awakenings say that they are channeling through these astral beings, extended masters. Uh, some of them say that they're channeling aliens, um, and, and you know, and they they they, they channel and they, and they write all these books about it. Um, is that a result of of the Kundalini Awakening, or um, yes, yes, yeah. it is. Think about consciousness expansion, you know, so you can expand your consciousness and you can tap into sources of wisdom or knowledge that were not accessible for you before. And then people call that channeling, you know, and I've done a fair bit of that myself. I actually mm -hmm. do it a lot all the time, you know, that I communicate with my higher power, which is um, a Torah from Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, people, um, you know, do that, uh, you know, but everybody who prays and who meditates really opens themselves up for that kind of expanded knowledge. And it, it happens to a degree to everybody, you know, only when, when you have a, a more conscious expansion, it happens to a greater degree. And then when, when these symptoms become more and more and they come to a certain threshold, 
then I would define that as Kundalini awakening. So it's not like all or nothing, like you're completely excluded from the channelers and then suddenly it makes a big bang and then you can do this all. No, it's not like that. It's um, it's, a, it's a gradual thing. And, uh, and even children have sometimes these supernatural powers and then sometimes that goes away when they get a bit older and become all rational and only interested in computers and stuff like that. And, and then it might open up again. And um, so, you know, the expansion of consciousness is not all or nothing. It's, it's you know, it builds and builds and then passes a certain threshold. And then, then uh, you know, you find that you get all these symptoms that I mentioned earlier. And that's what I would then define as a Kundalini awakening. Interesting. Um... Jeez, what was I going to ask? I just forgot my question. <laughs> it happens to me sometimes. Um, geez, my mind just went blank. Oh, um, so that's about channeling. Where was I going with this? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry about that. My mind just went blank. I just wanted to... Uh, risks I take by not planning episodes. <laughs> it's um, okay. But when, when, when people have like access to, to these beings and um, like, like for instance, like, like, like your butte, like a, like, like from a Buddhist perspective, um, everything is like emptiness. You know, you know, it's, it's all about sort of like, like you know, like the heart sutra kind of thing. Um, how 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 do you make that work into? How do you bring Kundalini and Buddhism together? In that respect, like oh. I know, I know, like like in the tantric tradition, it's sort of it it does and it doesn't. You know, I don't quite. I've never really quite understood it, understand it, or oh. whatever. Buddhism developed in three stages, you know. Mm -hmm. The first one, which is the Theravada Buddhism, which is around the time that the, that the actual Buddha, Shakyamuni, lived. And that didn't have much to do with the Kundalini. Um, and that did a lot of, you know, ethical living, um, simple practices, focusing on the mind. And then a few uh, hundred years later, that developed into Mahayana Buddhism, where they are... Um, focused very much on loving kindness as well, mm -hmm. which wasn't so prevalent in the beginning. And then yet another few hundred times later, uh, the tantric Buddhism um, developed and they call that the three turnings of the wheels, you know. And tantric Buddhism, you know, uses Kundalini power. That's that's really the, the main thing in it. And it also um, is... Uh, a spiritual path that they say we are not um, shutting ourselves away into monasteries. We we weave together tantra. The word tantra means weaving. Weave together everything together in life. You know, spirituality, sexuality, householding, working, money, spirituality. Everything becomes one. And um, and they're they're using the the bliss quality of the uh, natural mind to um, open the chakras and to experience themselves basically as a deity. 
and that's what what we have in Vajrayana Buddhism, which is Tibetan Buddhism, that we um, develop or visualize ourselves as as a deity, and then truly experience ourselves as the deity. And emptiness really doesn't mean that we are completely empty, just like an atom or is not really completely empty. It's mostly empty, but there's also little bits of pops of waves and electrons and stuff in there that when they come, come in, then eventually the whole thing looks like a very hard material, even though truly, if you have a stone in the end of the day, there's just empty space in there or mostly. And uh, so when we transfer that to ourselves, what that means for us as human beings is that we that we are very um, um, fixated on our ego identity. We think, oh, I'm this person, I had this childhood, and then I had this education, and then I married that person, and had that job, and this is, and now I'm this, you know, and it's all set in stone. Mm-hmm. And the idea of emptiness says, no, this might all be, this might all be true, but compared to the vast space that you're truly inside, this is nothing. And uh, and should, when you dive into this vast space, this is a little bit like putting your foot on the clutch or in a car, and then you can go into a different gear. And when you are in a different gear, then you can emerge as a completely different person who is not at all like the old Gary anymore somebody completely different, somebody like a deity. And that can only happen if you really understand that truly all, all, everything that you take you to be your old identity is just flimsy, unimportant stuff. And that mostly you are an empty space and you can decide what you want to be in the next moment. And if you decide you want to be at the deity, and uh, you can uh, start visualizing yourself as one. And if you carry on in that path, you can actually transform into a deity. And, and that is um, really the point of uh, emptiness. You know, my, mm-hmm. my teacher said emptiness is such an unuseful term. It feels like there's emptiness. Who likes something that's empty? That's not very interesting. But when we look at that word and emptiness and replace it with the word freedom, Oh, that's much more exciting. Yes, we have freedom. We have freedom to be anything, anyone we want to be. And if we are really grounded in our spiritual path, what do we want to be? We want to be an enlightened being. And so that's how emptiness helps us, or freedom helps us to achieve that. And and what does Kundalini have to do with all of this? Um, Kundalini is that energy or that, that sustains uh, the the experience that all of that is not just a theoretical little mind game, but is actually felt as a really, really reality. And so real, as I said before, if a hundred thousand people came and say, oh, you're just imagining to be a, re- a deity, you would say, yeah, yeah, whatever. You can go on and think what you want to think. I know what I know. And, uh, Obviously, that doesn't mean you go around and, uh, you know, like a mad person and say, I'm Jesus. It's, it's not like that. You have um, you have complete understanding also what is normal behavior in a normal society and you can elegantly weave all this together. Does that make, does that answer your question? How <laughs> emptiness and... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with that answer, actually. That was really 
like spot on and really, really clear and made a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm kind of actually blown away by that answer. Good. <laughs> um, so before we wrap this up, I, I have one more question. Um, how important or, or like with, with the Kundalini Awakening and Buddhism combined, I can't help but imagine, like, like if, if I were to have a Kundalini Awakening and, and myself also being a Buddhist, I would want to use it to bring as much love and compassion as I possibly could into the world. Um, is, is that how you would you is that how you would view that also? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I've said repeatedly. You know yeah. that you need very clearly already on this track of loving kindness. My my teacher said you need to be like a train on a track. And there's only one way to go, you know, and that's loving kindness. And you, the train can't go right and left like a car. You need to be a, like a train on this track and there's only one way to go. And if you're so settled and so clear on this path of loving kindness, then it's really safe to have this Kundalini awakening because you will only use that for one goal, namely to bring love and compassion and, you know, enlightening information into the world. And so we, we say wisdom and compassion, you know, so it's understanding knowledge and mm -hmm. compassion. And those two, those two aspects are like the two wings of a bird and with only one wing, the bird will fall and with two wings, it can fly. And, and that's the whole point of this. And that's definitely what the world needs. <laughs> yeah, it needs that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, before we wrap this up, can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Yes, so my website is www.taraspringet.com, S-P-R-I-N-G-E-T-T. -E or another one is um, kundalinisymptoms.com. And the books are uh, Healing Kundalini Symptoms. That's one book. And the other one is Enlightenment Through the Path of Kundalini. That's the other book. And um, I am available for Skype sessions. I will warn people I've got quite a bit of a waiting list. But, you know, if people are willing to wait, then I'm there for everybody. I've never turned anybody away. Great. And what I'll do, too, is I will post uh, links to those websites, and I'll also post links to the books and the notes of this episode so our, my listeners can check them out while they're listening. Great. Thank you, Gary. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. This was a fantastic interview. Uh, just hang on one moment, and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. 
Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.